This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Radio Extravaganza, if you would like to be part of our program today, 800-848-WABC is the number. Jake is standing by right now, ready to take your call. Nick is going to be throwing down the music. I'm here. Maybe Derek's awake. We'll see. We've got so much to talk about this morning, and we hope that you enjoy all three hours of our various discussions here. 800-848-WABC is that number. Plenty of Trump news, plenty of news from the administration hiding what they're doing with fake email addresses and the like. And this is nothing new. It goes back to the Obama administration. Funny, it did not receive any network coverage last night. MRC, Media Research Center, about a, uh, a, a listing today of, they tweeted it out, of the coverage that this got on the networks, zero, straight across the board, which is the way that the lefties have been covering uh, most of what goes on with Hunter Biden and news that is detrimental to Joe Biden. No surprise there. Um, There are a few things that we talked about this week that I want to revisit. During the week, of course, we have our Boston Early's Rush Hour between 4 and 5 p.m. Eastern. And an hour, we go through a lot of topics, don't spend a lot of time on any one thing because time is of the essence. I wrote a piece for the Daily BS that I want to start with today. For the last year and a half, military prosecutors, defense lawyers for the terrorists that were involved in the September 11, 2001 attacks on America have been plotting. They've been trying to work out deals for the terrorists. The Associated Press reported this week that several families of the victims had received letters advising them that Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the alleged mastermind of the attacks, and others that have been involved, were involved with these terrorist attacks, may never, ever face the death penalty under plea agreements that are now under consideration. According to the AP, the Office of the Chief Prosecutor has been negotiating, considering entering into pretrial agreements. They told the families that none of these pretrial agreements have been finalized at this point. Maybe they won't be. But it is possible that the death penalty could be removed. Now, 
almost inconceivable to me, I don't know about to you, first of all, that these guys are still at, at Club Gitmo, which is what Rush used to call it, the club. They're still hanging some of these guys at Club Gitmo, although the Obama administration tried to release as many of these terrorists back out into their home countries as possible, where, of course, one wonders whether they quickly rejoin their old terrorist buddies and resume their anti-American hate ways. But if you think about most other nations in the world, except for a few Western nations, which seem to be run by total liberalism or socialism, most nations in the world that take justice seriously would not have these terrorists hanging around even now. You kill 3,000 citizens in other countries, what happens? They find a way to quickly eliminate you after you were convicted. Here we are, almost 22 years after 9-11, and these guys are still sitting around at the government largesse in Cuba. And now we learn that the plan is, according to military leaders and administration, oh, let's just take the death penalty off the table. A lot of them are concerned that if they go to trial, their lawyers might bring up the fact that some of them were tortured. We used waterboarding to get information that saved other American lives with some of these terrorists. So, oh, no, we can't have a trial because we're wrong. Now, I postulated when I wrote this piece that perhaps the thinking is that so much time has passed, nobody in this country other than a few of the family members much cares anymore. Or it could be another sign of the woke attitudes that have permeated the new military. But my friends, if we are at the point where nobody cares, then the terrorists have won yet another victory. They should have been dealt with years ago. The fact that we're still pussyfooting with these guys now is just unconscionable. I read a story today, oh, before I get to that, it's amazing, there's been a drug conviction. You know, I mean, drugs, they're everywhere in America, illegal drugs, fentanyl, no one seems to care about that either, no matter how many Americans die from this stuff that's being imported in from some of our adversarial foes around the world. But you will all be glad to know that a drug dealer charged with supplying the fentanyl-laced heroin that killed the wire actor 
Michael K. Williams yesterday was sentenced to 10 years in federal prison. 10 years going to jail. Now, uh, Michael K. Williams, if you watch The Wire, which I just got through re-watching the series. I hadn't watched it since it was on in prime time all those years ago. The Wire takes place in Baltimore, where Derek Hunter is. My good friend Derek Hunter. Derek, have you ever watched The Wire? I love The Wire. I used to live in Baltimore. I don't live in Baltimore anymore. I escaped. But, yes, I, I watched The Wire. It was it's some of the best television ever made. I agree with that. And your what made it the best for you? What, why do you say that? Well, the acting was great. The characters were realistic, and there was nothing. There were things that mattered three seasons later that seemed insignificant at the time that were kind of insignificant even when they mattered. It's just bizarre. It was so so well thought out. It was not so many of these series you can tell like Lost. Like we got a great idea. Let's let's do a TV show and then, okay, we'll do this TV show. And then uh, it'll never last, but I've got, like, two good seasons' worth of ideas, and it lasts five seasons. <laughs> you know, like, well, at the end, they're kind of scrambling. Oh, what the hell do we do? How do we do it? We just kind of painted ourselves into a corner. We never expected to be here. The wire was thought out, and it was exactly long as it needed to be. And everything in it, it didn't get tied up and neatly finished with a bow, but it had its natural progression. It was just a different kind of TV show. It was, it, you know, it, it, it was never a hit. It was never a big, it was a hit with critics. It never won any awards, but it got a bunch of nominations. But it, um, it, it I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's so seemingly Real? realistic. Yes. I saw, first of all, if you have never seen it and you go look to find it, be aware that you're going to hear the N-word about every 20 seconds. It'll probably take you two, by the third episode, you'll be hooked. The first episode, you're like, eh, I don't see what the hype is. Second episode, you're like, eh, I don't get it. The third episode, you'll start to get it. It's one of those, there's a lot of those TV shows where everybody talks about them. And you're like, oh, God, you have to see the show. You have to see the show. And you, you watch one episode and you're like, I don't, okay, what's the big deal? What's the thing? But if you give it that chance to sort of break through that wall, you'll get it and you'll go, okay, I want to see what happens next. So I look at it now. The Wire is 20 years old. Mm -hmm. I looked at it and, you know, one of the things that happened in one of the later episodes, they actually talked about fentanyl for a brief second. And I'm like, what? Fentanyl back then? But it is it is about, ladies and gentlemen, the drug culture. It is about the inner city. It is about the political class. It is about the media in Baltimore. It is yeah. about everything. It did really the Democratic establishment, the Democrat machine in Baltimore. It really rips it apart. There's a character named Tommy Carcetti who is Martin O'Malley. He is. Martin O'Malley, it's absolutely brilliant. The first time I went to Baltimore 
my friend had just moved there and drove out here to visit him. I was out there to visit him. And I drove over the wire. I, I almost drove onto the set and a road blocked off. And I, I drove almost on. I drove into an area where I, a whole bunch of Teamsters and Grips and everybody came out. Hey, you can't. And they, they yelled at me and stopped me. And I had to back up out of it. But it wasn't clearly marked. It was all over. One of the characters lived. Kima lived three or four houses down from the uh, row house that I lived in. Mm. They were all over the place. And you'd, you'd run into them, run into the actors every once in a while. It was, it was great. So you have this drug culture going on, and it is rough. Mm-hmm. It is a heartbreaking show in a lot of ways because you see what happens. You see the school system, how utterly failed it is, how it is failing the children and the politics of the Democrat party that run that town supersede everything, the crime, the endless crime, the endless racist that are happening. When I say racist, I'm not talking about the typical racism. What I'm talking about is this, this mm-hmm. idea that there are people who should live like this because no one gives a damn. And it is, it is so it is so gripping to me that um, I, I watching it again was just mind blowing, and this guy we're talking about, Michael Williams, who his drug deal was just sentenced to ten years, plays Omar Little, mm-hmm. who is a guy that robs drug dealers <laughs> and for a living, and that's what he does. One of the classic moments on trial is he's talking to a lawyer who represents the drug dealers and represents these crime figures, and the guy is just berating him. Oh, you know, you're you're, you're part of it. And he says, look, you know, you, we, you and me are the same. He says, what do you mean? He says, I do it with a gun, you do it with a briefcase. And it just, it is it is a stunning show. But here's the, the thing. Michael Williams was a drug addict. Mm-hmm. And he bought drugs from this guy, Carter uh, Cartagena, who is now going to go to jail for 10 years for selling him the drugs. If it wasn't Michael K. Williams, if this guy wasn't known, who would have cared that he died of a drug overdose? Who would have cared to go after the drug dealer? You have people dropping dead of fentanyl every day in America. All around the cities of America, you see these people in stupors. It reminds me of the heroin days when heroin was first introduced and you'd see people nodding off and and looking like they were going to bend over and and completely hit the ground because they were nodding so hard in the early days when heroin was first introduced into this country. And it occurs to me, uh, uh, Derek, how long have we been fighting this so-called war on drugs? We're not fighting it. We're containing it. It's, it really only matters if it impacts. You, you said it right there. The actor, the famous actor died. Then suddenly it matters. They go after somebody when John Belushi overdoses, but not the average junkie. There was a laundromat three blocks from where I lived. It was the closest laundromat when I lived in Baltimore at the hall, a giant Ikea bag full of dirty clothes down there. And half the time you'd go in there, there'd be a guy. They do that amazing balancing act. They'd be great at surfing if they could quit the junk. 
they have an incredible balance where they could surf anything all the way to the beach where you're like, this guy's going to fall over, this guy's going to fall over. Nope, and he crouches down, and they find themselves in positions where you're like, There's, how can a human being stand that way? Right. But they do it, and they're stupor. They do it. Man. Derek, let's take a break. When we get back, I want to move into some other stories. Have you heard this about this incident that happened down at a, ba- a Dallas pizzeria? Mm-mm. Oh, if you haven't, get ready for this. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. Ready. All right. And then there's a, there's a, I want to ask you about this. I, I saw a story and I had a typical knee jerk, jerk jerk of my knee when I read the headline. The headline is that there's a Pennsylvania lawmaker who wants to introduce a four-day work week bill. And my knee just, immediately I saw the headline, my knee jerked. Like, <laughs> oh, come on. And But then I read further, and I'm like, hmm. The James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, here with you Saturday morning radio extravaganza. 800-848-WABC. Coming right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. On this day, 2019, the guitar that Dwayne Allman played on this classic Derek and the Dottos, Layla, sold for $1 million. Wow. One of my favorites, Derek and the Dominoes, Layla. I also love Eric Clapton's version when he, uh, when he broke this down and went sort of, um, acoustic on it. Really nice. Derek Hunter, speaking of Derek. Derek Hunter is here with me. Hey, Derek, there's a, a story in, um, that I forget where it is from today, actually. Oh, it's a Fox story. A Pennsylvania lawmaker to introduce a four day work week bill with no pay reduction. Mm-hmm. So I see this headline. I said, Oh, here we go again. Some freaking idiot Democrat. I try not to call people names, but that was what <laughs> I thought. Here we go. She's going to tell everybody how to run their business. Four-day work weeks, but you make the same money, doesn't have a clue, blah, 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 Four blah, ten blah. 10-hour days gives you 40 hours, man. Well, she doesn't want that. She wants a 32-hour work week. Oh, does she? Without see. reducing people's pay. But, then I'll say it. She's an idiot. Uh, wait a second. But yeah, right. she says the businesses that she wants to include, this would exclude all small businesses and mid-sized companies, only companies that have... 
employees over 500 people. And what's saying is that there's a lot of research that shows a four-day work week. Employees report they experience less stress. They're still just as productive. They get the work done in four days instead of five. And what's it going to harm? I, when I was in, in, um, in over there across the pond, one of the things I noticed is that people have a very different kind of attitude than we do about work, Derek. Yeah. And they seem to be more relaxed. They have a better, what should, how shall we say, quality of life. So my knee jerked, and I was just like, ah, I, but, but then again, I don't know. Do you think this could ever happen, that, that we would move from a 40-hour week to a 32-hour week? And do you think if we did, as a adopted these smaller work hours, that people would be just as productive as they are now? No. I think people try to find a way to take advantage of everything that comes their way, uh, certain people, and they ruin it for everybody else. It's not the majority. It's a distinct minority, but it just there's ways that people will exploit a situation like this and screw it up for everybody. What I don't like is you're going to make it based on company size. That's the disparate treatment is ridiculous. So you're going to try and shuttle people to work for larger companies? Is that what you're going to do? I, I don't understand why a small company should be exist. If you're going to alter essentially the recognition of time, you've got to do it for everybody. Doesn't make any well, sense. Well, because she realizes this would force many small businesses out of business. Right, but it would if it would force. But if it's such an economic boon and so wonderful to big businesses, that doesn't make any sense, right? None of this makes sense. If you get well, if you do four ten-hour days, you still get forty hours. That's different. That's the way I it always has been described to me. And then you get a three-day weekend, and and I'd all be in favor of that. But when you're you're saying we're going to limit the number of hours that people work, you're entering a, a world of government control over businesses that makes me uncomfortable. Right, and no, I don't think it's fair. I just got a text. For the people that work for smaller companies, they have stress as well. They work hard. No, of course I don't think it's fair to them. But I'm just posing a question. Now, this story really bugged the hell out of me. Dallas, this happened in Dallas, Texas. Police are looking into a complaint made by a man after he said he was denied restroom access by two off-duty police officers working security at a place called Sirius pizza and deep ellum he called for assistance the man ended up urinating all over himself and then there are videos of the two off-duty police officers laughing laughing it up this guy was injured in afghanistan he's a veteran he has a medical issue where he actually has a card hey when he, he it's one of those where if he has to go, he has to go. Mm. He has um, the Dallas Police Department fail me, he says. His name is Danelle Lane. He happens to be a black guy. The officers are not. He said the Dallas Police Department fail me. They declined to assist me by not giving me the courtesy of checking my ID or my medical documents. I had to endure urine 
and bowel leakage while inside the restaurant. As a retired sergeant, I had higher expectations for the city. Please hear me when I ask for change so no one with a disability has to endure what I endured. There is a law in Texas that requires people with certain medical conditions be allowed access to restrooms, even if they aren't public restrooms, if they can show they have a medical disability. One, a board member for one of the oversight committees down there says this case turned his stomach. It's absolutely appalling to treat one of our veterans that way. And the video shows these two cops, these two police laughing their asses off because this guy, as they say, pissed himself. Why are the cops they think it's patrolling funny. bathrooms in a pizzeria? Well, apparently they are. This happened at like 2 in the morning. The place closes at 3, apparently. They're on duty for whatever reason, I guess, to provide security in the in the late hours. And, he, you know, they, they refused him. And this, the, the pizza saying, it's something weird about this story, the way it's written, because... The pizza chain is just trying to absolve themselves from all of this. They say they've asked for the cops not to be uh, assigned to their store anymore. It's weird the way that this whole thing works. But the video is out there Mm -hmm. of these cops just laughing themselves silly because this United States veteran, veteran with a medical condition urinated all over himself because they won't let him use the bathroom. It just makes me wonder what it's. Beyond disgusting. What happened to common decency? Amen to that, Derek. Even if the guy wasn't a veteran, even if the guy didn't have a medical issue that that would go under the law, what about when someone says, I really have to use a bathroom quickly? And then to sit and laugh at it. Dallas Dallas, uh, Police Department said, by the way, it's not against the law, apparently, what they did even though the law requires he be uh, be given access. Uh, there's so many things with this that I don't understand. But it's just a heartless story. Just as heartless as what happened in L.A. An elderly woman, 86 years old, getting off a bus, knocked down on a sidewalk. A man in a New York Yankees jacket steps off the bus, steps over the woman, then rummages through her purse and robs her as she's 86 years old. Derek, what in what is going on in our society? What are the consequences? What is the worst case scenario that that guy's going to face? Nothing. <laughs> Gascon out in L.A. is going to not even hold him with, for cash bail. So what is it? You, you know how this works. People don't suddenly... Grat just decides, you know what, I'm going to go kill somebody. Not very often. And those people who do that are usually profiled on 2020 or, you know, on, on Friday nights. Uh, it is, you start off with some petty theft and you get caught and the consequences are nothing. And so you go to larger theft and you get caught and the consequences are nothing because of these progressive prosecutors. And then you you graduate up to, in the midst of committing your petty theft, you maybe beat the hell out of somebody and <clears throat> or use a weapon, brandish a weapon, and the consequences for that are nothing. And you slowly move up the scale. Nobody just decides one day at 
18 or 22, you know what, I'm going to go shoot somebody for no good reason. You just work, build your way up to it. And if you don't face any consequences whatsoever on the way up to building up to that, you don't stop. Some people don't stop. Some people have scares. Some people have a growth of conscience. Some people have somebody enter their lives that tells them, you know, you need to knock this bleep off and so on and so forth. And they get on the straight and narrow, but some people don't. The number of violent crimes, the the violent crimes that happen in society are committed by very, very few people. And if you talk to any cop in a major city, they know who's doing 99% of those violent crimes. They know it. Sometimes it's a crime of passion. Sometimes it's somebody desperate and they decide to beat the hell out of somebody and rob them out of desperation. They didn't build their way up to it. But most of the time, the the goons that are committing the acts of violence are known to police. They have a rap sheet a mile long. And if there's absolutely no roadblocks, no barricades, no barriers, nothing on the way up to the broken part of the bridge, there's going to be a lot of people who go flying over it. And they're going to take a lot of innocent people with them. Let's talk about this Trump business when we get back, Derek. The FBI is now joining an investigation because of threats that have been made to grand jurors in the Fannie Hill, uh, the Fannie Willis case. Bill Barr says he warned Trump. I warned him he's going to spend the rest of his life in legal peril. One of the Bushies, Alberto Gonzalez, says President Trump should serve time if he's convicted. That's just yeah. The Trump the Trump saga continues. The WABC Talk Radio 77-800-848-WABC is the number to call. Coming back with you right after this. John Deacon, bass player for Queen, wrote this. Birthday today. Born in 1951. Coming back right after these words. is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Oh, man, this is Miles. Marcus Miller's playing on this, too. This is Miles Davis. His version of Michael Jackson's Human Nature. I think one of the writers of Human Nature was Steve Picaro. The wonderful Miles Davis on WABC Talk Radio 77. Uh, This week, earlier this week, was the anniversary of the Birth of the Cool album, 1959. Birth of the Cool was one of the biggest game changers in American music. It ushered in a very different sound you might even call it the, the beginning of what we today call smooth jazz, although it's, it, it, no, somebody might take me to task with that one, but I think it is anyway. Yeah. You know, the devaluation of human life, Rhonda texted me during the break, 
Um, and Derek, it used to be these stories like with the, these these young these thugs, these thugs, these male thugs. They used to even recognize they, it, it. Almost like criminals used to have a code. Okay, you don't attack old ladies. I mean, what a criminal in there would beat up an old lady? It's just like that was that would be unheard of, even among criminals. It's like no, no, no. We don't beat up old women. We don't. We don't beat up children. It's. It's now. It's just like there's a scene in The goes. Wire since you brought up The Wire where Omar's taking his uh, grandma to church, right? And they're trying to kill the Avon Barksdale's gangs trying to kill Omar, and they take their shot at him, and they don't hit anybody, but they mess up his grandmother's hat. I forget what they call her her hat. But it was, you know, it, they got excoriated by the drug dealer's boss. Like, you don't do that. What are you doing? Right. You know, it's Sunday, and she's going to church. You don't mess with a woman's church crown, I think it was what she called, what they called it. And it, it, it used to be that way. The mafia had a code, right? You don't go after people who aren't involved. And it, right, leave the civilians alone. The street drug dealer sort of changed that who's the leadership of the street drug dealers you got you know there's that guy i want to kill yeah he's walking with a group of kids that didn't do anything to anybody or hanging out in a playground or something like that but you just sort of shoot in that general direction it's the entire concept of the the stray bullet now we've sort of justified it that's where it comes from but it, it doesn't it, it used to not be that way not that you're longing for the days when people would assassinate the people they intended to assassinate instead of killing some some innocent kid but it would be better you know it it, it it's changed that if you shot somebody accidentally you almost turned yourself in you know there was a right. bit of responsibility if a three-year-old gets shot by a stray bullet while you're trying to kill your rival uh, you face the consequences for that not anymore the human life is irrelevant it's just eh, whatever you beat some old lady up you you get a whole bunch of friends and go and loot a store and the mayor of chicago justifies it when you've got politicians who justify it it's hard look it's hard to feel sorry for you know it, that whole store looting thing with these mobs somebody wrote a piece on fox this week i saw it and he mentioned like 10 things he said look this is what I got from the article, I'll have to reread it to see whether I'm being fair, is that, hey, look, this is we're past the point of being able to turn this stuff around. This is just the way it is, et cetera, et cetera. And in the piece, he actually mentioned the, the, the concept of race. I've been waiting, and I've been wondering whether that's going to come up in all this, because let's face facts. We see the videos. Mm-hmm. Whether people like to acknowledge the videos or not, see the videos, and you see these mobs of and it's not every single one, but it is enough of them that the impression is given that this is a cultural phenomena among some black kids to get together and go in and gang loot these stores. No, and, it's, and if it's you like, just read the stories, it's always a gang of teens. They never acknowledge Right, a gang of teens. And you see the video, and you see who the teens are, and, and people, I just, well, they're going again. It's... <sighs> Man, I don't know what's going to be done to turn some of this stuff around, but this cannot. Look, this, it's, this deterioration is happening so quickly. I don't revel in this, 
but it's going to have to take somebody getting killed. It's going to have to take a couple of the participants getting killed. There's a great, there's a, a bunch of westerns where they do this, but I think it, I can't remember particularly. Oh God, I'm visioning it, but I can't think of the name. When the mob shows up to get the bad guy in the prison, the sheriff's out there, and the sheriff's deputy is against a mob of like fifty people. And uh, you can't stop us all, Sheriff. And I'm like, no, I can't. I can stop you. I can stop a right. couple of you. Like, which one? You know, you're willing to take it. You guys are all willing to rush me. I'm going to take out a, a, quite a few of you. I'm going to empty this gun. Before, and then they go, well, even the guy in the back is like, well, it might hit me. And suddenly they stop. They realize that. It's going to take somebody standing up because police won't do it. Police show up and then they're ordered basically to make sure that nobody gets hit by a car as they haul their loot out of the Best Buy or the Target or Nike store or whatever to wherever they're going. They don't stop them. It's going to take a store owner or a store manager or somebody feeling because there's no way they don't feel threatened. It's like, that's whip. why I think people were so excited to see those two seat guys at the 7-Eleven with that video where the guy goes and gets the stick and yep. beats the living S-H-I out of this guy that's just coming in. The, hey, do you have insurance? I'm just going to put all your cigarettes in a trash can and walk out of here, make a mess of your store and do it. And, I, you know, people loved watching that guy get his ass whipped on the video. There comes a point where like people finally push someone's back. standing up to this. I went, last time I was in New York... It's pretty funny. I, I went to a Dwayne, Dwayne Reed for whatever reason. I was staying in Midtown. My wife was getting a, an award. And I was staying in Midtown. I go into Dwayne Reed, and ev almost everything is locked up. Almost everything is locked. It's behind plexiglass. You can't get deodorant. You can't get hair dye. You couldn't get a comb. You couldn't get soap. You couldn't get... The only things that weren't locked up, ironically enough, was the food. The food was not protected. The one thing you think, to hear the left tell is people are hungry, people are starving, people are suffering, blah, blah, blah. Nobody's stealing a sandwich. Nobody's stealing a, a Lunchables. It, why? Because the resale value on that sort of thing. It reminded me when I worked at the Heritage Foundation, uh, I was making $26,000 a year, and I would take home sandwich bags full of leftovers from the public events that they had because I couldn't afford to, to eat. And uh, you'd go... Sometimes you'd have two gallon sandwich bags filled with like Subway sandwiches. You're never going to get through all that. It'd take the lunch meat and make eggs and stuff with it. But I, a homeless guy at Union Station would always go, well, can you help me get a sandwich? And I, I can do better than that. And I'd reach in my bag and I'd pull out a big bag full of sandwiches. Like, here you go. Here's your next three meals. And he'd not want it. Right. You know, like, well, I can't smoke that. What am I supposed to do with that? I can't do anything <laughs> right. with that. It's that sort of mentality, and it's hard to get around. It's going to take some tough love, and we're not allowed to do tough love anymore. It's going to take somebody standing up, and since it won't be a prosecutor, since it won't be a mayor, since it won't be a city council, since it won't be a police chief because they'll lose their job, it's going to have to be citizens standing up. And sadly, they're likely to get prosecuted. The people coming in beating holy hell out of everybody, they're not going to get prosecuted. A citizen standing up because they legitimately fear for their lives, standing up and injuring or killing somebody, and I don't advocate it, and I'm sure that even if you do feel you know, threatened, you're going to feel awful that you do it, but it's going to happen because you're going to be pushed to that point. You'll face consequences, and the blood 
will be on the hands of the politicians who let that get to this point. Man. All right. FBI quickly, Derek, got it, and then we got to go to a break. The FBI has now joined the investigation into the barrage of threats against Fannie Willis and against the sheriff there who has uh, said that he definitely wants to make Trump do the whole perp walk, throw him in jail, take the mug shot thing. These people have been blatantly political with their hatred of, of Donald Trump. Because they're Trump. 10 feet tall and bulletproof. What are they going to do? Are the people of Atlanta going to say, no, wait a second, we're not going to vote for you next time? Are you kidding me? It's not going to happen. But I will say that I would um, caution the sheriff against going against the United States Secret Service. You know, Barney Fife and Cletus from the Dukes of Hazard going against the Secret Service probably wouldn't work out very well. Well, he wants to do it. This sheriff is hell bent on oh, making, I know he wants on to humiliating do it. Donald Trump. Look, people have their own versions of porn, and he definitely wants to do it, whatever gets him off. But I think he'd be in for a rude awakening. Yeah, well, I hope you're right. And as for some of these people making these threats, I mean, I don't, I hate to think like this because it sounds almost kook conspiracy. But I wouldn't put it past some Democrat. I never mind. I now, just, look, I'm, there are people making threats. You you tweet anything remotely critical of certain politicians who are beloved, and you'll get it. You'll get. It. I get it all the time because I I don't hold back my opinion. So it, it's, the threats are there. There are people who derive meaning in their lives through others they should you know focus more on trying to find meaning in their own lives have connections with real human beings not somebody they see on television or at a rally be outraged by what's going on but have real human connections with real humans who connect back to them they but threats especially in the day of the internet threats are easy threats are easy right so the threats are there are they serious threats i don't know I don't know the quality of the threat. I haven't seen them, but the threats are there. I mean, for God's sakes, you I'm sure you get them. I know I get them. So it's I just block them. I block them. Right. I, I, I don't check my mentions. Whatever. I don't give them the satisfaction of knowing that I've blocked them. I just don't check my mentions. It requires you to care what other people are thinking. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> Derek Hunter, James Golden. Most well, saw Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We are going to take calls 800-848-WABC coming back right after this. Don't go away. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. That's right, baby. Oh, shot A. Know from the moment you hear the beat. On WABC Talk Radio 77. Derek Hunter's with me. We're going to go to the telephone. Derek, I'm going to share with you. I'm going to share one of my favorite callers with you. All right. His name is Adam. He's from Mineola. 
Adam, welcome. You're on WABC. It's your host, Mr. Snurdly. It's Derek Hunter with you, too. How are you, Adam? I'm all right, sir. I, you know, I was just kind of, I'm glad you didn't make me wait for another two hours. But anyway, thanks for having me this morning. I, I heard your conversation when you had Andrew Giuliani on Thursday, and I was mm-hmm. trying to figure out why you didn't ask was his father going to put him for a speedy trial, or would his father suggest that they go to trial by combat, like he suggested on the uh, ellipse, sir? Well, what do you have for today? Is that it? Something no, from Thursday? Bring I'm it. just saying. You, you didn't take Derek me Thursday. Bring it. I had to save my stuff. <laughs> it's Saturday. Come on. Come on. Tighten it up. Tighten up. What's on, what's on tap for today? Um, I'm kind of glad that, uh, Trump has, uh, got these 91 felonies now. I hope he puts them for a speedy trial. You know, get this drama over with. The people want to see what's going on with this guy. If they want to know if they're going to vote for him, they don't want to wait to after trial to vote for him. You know? Derek, how would you respond before. to Adam here that Trump should have a speedy trial on 91 charges? <sighs> I view this as the only way uh, for Trump to go forward is to go through this. And I think that most of these charges, I don't, it's obviously, I don't know it as well as Trump and his attorneys do, but I think the only way out is through. And I think that in New York, you need to say, I want a trial. I want it now because these things are, these charges are garbage. And you're really probably going to lose in New York because of the jury pool. You're going to lose in D.C. because of the jury pool. I don't know about Atlanta, probably the same. But on appeal is where you'll win, where your exoneration lies. And who knows? Maybe maybe you'll win in, in the, the jury. But the only way out is through. I think that him trying to get his lawyers trying to say, well, let's how about we hold this trial until 2026 is ridiculous. I don't um, think so, Derek. Let me tell you why. Already the defense has dumped, and Adam, this is for you too, the defense has dumped 11.5 million documents on Trump. His lawyers are saying, look, even if we had to review what we already have, it would require us to go through 100,000 pages of documents a day if we were going to meet the speedy trial that, that they want, Jack Smith wants. In order to have a fair trial, he needs to be able to review the charges totally. You're talking about 11 million pages and then preparing your own stuff? I can see totally why they want to move this to 2026. Give us time to prepare an adequate defense. And I don't think they should just rush it through for the sake of political expediency. Well, then we disagree. I think that the president should want to clear his name as quickly as possible. Oh, he should drag this out. He should well, drag it out. Well, until it's he's good for fundraising, again. sure, but I don't think it's good for the country. It, it, I, it's imagine, not good for the country. imagine if you to... took this to trial. Even if, even the case with Alvin Bragg, the first thing, what did they do? <laughs> the next hearing will be in four months. If I'm Trump's attorney, I'm standing up, going, "What the hell? We don't need four months." I have right here a briefcase filled with motions to dismiss these ridiculous charges, and it spells out exactly why these charges are bogus. This crime doesn't exist. Blah blah blah. It's a political show. I want to file this motion right now, and I'd like a decision by the end of the week about whether or I not I agree these with tra- you on the Alvin Bragg because it's nothing, right? But on this Jack Smith thing, they need to drag this sucker out. 
And they also need to make sure that he's pre- that, that if he is going to be reelected, he's already in the office. And then maybe they have to put it off further till I think this is all politics. So play these people hardball. Adam, you got anything else for us before I let you go? I just appreciate you, man. I love your show and thank you, Derek. Finally somebody agreed with me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let it go to your head. But no, I, I think Thank the you. only way out is through, and you take Thanks. these guys on. I think most of these charges are bogus, and they are made to impact the election. And if you run toward the fire, you're going to make them put up or shut up. Right. Well, I, I have to admit, I mean, it makes, De- Derek, what you say makes logical sense. I'm so, I, I, Again, I've stated the reasons why I disagree. <laughs> I think that when, when people are coming after you, they want to throw you in jail for the rest of your life. And that's what these Democrats want like, to do. Even if he's convicted on these things, it's not going to go, all right, well, we're going to throw you in jail while you appeal this. You know that. Are you kidding? This is Donald Trump we're talking about. I know that, and but this, this is not hatred? the kind. There's no way in. First of all, the Secret Service, it is illegal for the anybody to try and interfere with the Secret Service protecting anybody. So they're not going to let Donald Trump go to jail. Nobody, no judge is going to say, all right, well, you, you you got convicted for paying Stormy Daniels. You're going to go to jail for, well, no, it's not going to happen. Where can people find you, Derek? Uh, Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast, Town Hall, The Hill, and uh, on Twitter at Derek A. Hunter. There you go, my friends, Derek Hunter. James Golden, a.k.a. Snowden, coming back with you. Our number duo, our number trio coming up. We're going to check in with the news, and we'll be back. Your call is going to be part of the program. So if you're on hold, stay on hold. Lots to go on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Nerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome back to our number duo, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. If you want to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC is your number to call. James Flippin went over so many stories that I find interesting, including Mayor Adams taking a week-long break out of New York City. We have migrants still on the streets. We have all of this hubbub. Curtis has been, I talked to Curtis yesterday on uh, Bo Snerly's Rush Hour, and Curtis, of course, is going to be at a demonstration tomorrow, another one. He was arrested earlier in the week for protesting against these, this insane condition with illegal immigrants in New York City. There's also news coming out of Hawaii. This to me is wow. I have been following what has been going on in Maui, Lahaina, ever since it started. There is an article in the New York Times today, front page. Hawaiian Electric was warned of its system's fragility before the wildfire. The utility knew it needed to upgrade its equipment but did not make changes that could have reduced risk of fire. That's what energy experts are saying. Now, We have heard 
the governor of that state, the Democrat governor of that state, went out and started global warming, global warming, climate change, climate change, climate change. This is the convenient, in fact, there's a story today about this. Let me find it really quickly. It's at the Daily BS. We are not learning. Bjorn Lomberg says politicians hide behind climate climate change to duck responsibility for failures. And he starts off talking about that very thing. The Democrat governor of Hawaii, Josh Green, blamed climate change for the deadly wildfire. Well, what we have seen of it, well, let me back up. What most of us, except the kooks, have seen from it is that apparently what could, and I repeat the word could, not saying for certain, what could have sparked this fire, there was a video image that was captured behind a bird sanctuary there or at a bird sanctuary where all of a sudden you get this flash of light, then you get the flames, and it's believed that that flash of light may have been from one of the power lines going down. What also has taken place, we'll get back to this article that's at the Daily BS, maybe you shouldn't have a lot of grasses that will burn a lot. You should adopt better building codes, not what Governor Green did, namely put it on hold because he wants cheaper buildings. And you shouldn't just have one exit road. You should have better fire breaks. And possibly the most important thing, you should inform people You should not have a guy that actually decides not to run the alarm because he worries that people might misunderstand it. Most people weren't informed. And this is the crucial bit when you talk about climate change. When everyone blames climate, which is a very, very small part of the whole puzzle, you take away responsibility from all of these failures. This is a monumental failure. Of government. Governments are supposed to regulate the utilities. So you have the New York Times says Hawaiian Electric has known for years that extreme weather was, here they go with their version of climate change, that extreme weather was becoming a bigger danger, but the company did little to strengthen its equipment, failed to adopt emergency plans used elsewhere, like being prepared to cut off power to prevent fires. Right now, we are looking at maybe uh, yesterday's report was 480 people that were dead. They are now finding entire families that have been burned beyond recognition, huddled in homes, huddled in cars. And you look at all of the conditions. It was known because of the topography of the island that if there was a fire, It would be devastating. This has been known for years. But yet everyone quickly wants to point to climate change. The governor there. What about the responsibility of government? This is what supposedly government is tasked with, to take on these jobs that individuals cannot do themselves, like making sure the policies are straight making sure that the land use. There were other stories that I read earlier in the week where a lot of these grasses that were the fuel for this fire come as a result of the plantations there 
the pineapple plantations being abandoned some years back. Native, uh, non-native grasses took over that are easy to burn. No one was clearing the land of these things. They were a known hazard. And yet when these things happen, horrible, horrible things, are you going to point your finger and just say, oh, it's climate change? It's lazy and it's incompetence. This is the incompetence of big government on parade. And that's what needs to be one of the things that needs to be addressed here. I will remember, and I will urge many of you who are old enough to remember, Katrina and how the media had a hissy fit trying to point out that George Bush, in their view, W-43, was incompetent. They did not turn off the electricity. That is part of the problem. I just got a text, how could it be at the power lines when they turned off the electricity? They did not turn off the electricity. That is part of the problem. And no, it was not space lasers. It was not lasers coming from out of space or some retrofitted airplane directing beams downward to start the fire. I say that for my friends in the kook contingent out there. And yes, they're out there all over social media. How could it be power lines when they turned off the electricity, turned off the water? The water was not. That's a good point. The water. We are learning now that in many cases, there was the water was shut off. That did happen. And yes, they didn't sound the alarms. That did happen. The man in charge of that went before the press and said, I didn't turn on the alarms because Hawaiians are trained when they hear the sirens to go to higher ground. The higher ground is where the fire had originated and was coming from. So if I had sounded the alarms, he says, people would have ran into the fire. He resigned the next day after he made his defense, but he made the defense of, yeah, I, I, I didn't sound the alarms. He says he, he alerted people through their mobile devices, etc. But he did not use the alarm because Hawaiians are specifically trained to hear those alarms and think that a tsunami is coming, and in the event of a tsunami, they're supposed to seek higher ground. If they had sought higher ground, they would have gone right into the fires. And that's why he said he didn't deploy it. But it wasn't the space lasers. It wasn't the the government retrofitting airplanes and sending down beams from above starting the fires. You would be surprised how many kooks there are. No, you wouldn't. Yes, you would on social media with this nonsense. Anyway, there's a lot, there is a lot that is going to be learned in the days ahead. But one of the things that we already know is that this was a tremendous failure of government. And we're also learning that Joe Biden gets a pass. I am, do you remember Kanye going out and saying, I'm so sorry, I can't see what? I'm just reading this message. So sorry, I can't see what the. I'm sorry, I can't see 
the um the uh the space lasers coming and the fire anyway do you remember Kanye back in the days of Bush 43 he goes on TV he makes this video Bush didn't care about Bush, Bush doesn't care about black people and that's why we had Katrina's aftermath and at the time the mainstream press played the video it's like, see, okay, Bush, answer this. You got Conway, Kanye, the genius, saying that Bush, now, by the way, that was back in the day when they liked Kanye. That was before Kanye started wearing that red MAGA hat. So they played the video of Kanye, and then they went on. Bush doesn't care about black people. That's what Kanye says. How do you defend yourself, Mr. President, against the charge that you don't care about black people? And that's why you didn't do anything in the wake of Katrina. And then they went on and on because he told that guy, Attaboy or whatever his name was, Brownie, the FEMA director down there, even though things were in We have a massive failure in Hawaii right now. The same media that couldn't wait, they were salivating to go after Bush 43. Joe Biden says, no comment. I'm going to go take a vacation on the beach. What are you doing for Hawaii? Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to take a shower with my daughter. I'm going to go uh, to the beach. I'm going to go sniff some. Anyway, not critical at all about Joe Biden. Joe, There are a lot of brown people on Hawaii. Oh, I, I, I can't get over it. I am following the Hawaii story in detail. I'm getting castigated because I keep continuing to say what the kooks are saying, and people don't like it. These people are nuts, I'm telling you. The idea that the space lasers and the government is behind the fires, it is just completely absurd and insane. Now, there is a government failure, and that's the failure to properly regulate the utility companies. As I said, the water was shut off in many parts. Hawaii residents are complaining about that. And they are also complaining about the poor government response to this. But where are the stories that are really castigating Joe Biden over the lack of a good federal response to all this? You don't see them. Because it's not politically expedient. So if you want to talk about the Hawaii fires, help yourself. There is, Derek and I were talking about, and and you were talking about the violence that's going on in many parts of the country. Let's return to Chicago for a minute. There is a new proposal to deal with violence. And I'd like your opinion on whether you think this would work, ladies and gentlemen. We have a proposal from an alder person. Used to call him alderman, but this is a woman, so we can't call her an alderman. We have to just call her an alder. Alder Maria Haddon, a Democrat, has now boosted a proposal by a group Native Son. They call it the People's Ordinance. The People's Ordinance, they are asking the criminals that use guns 
for a ceasefire between the hours of 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Protect the youth. No sliding while the sun is out. They are promoting this to say that they are united for a self-summer. They're asking the gangsters, the thugs, the criminals to stop using their guns between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. We have to start somewhere, says Tatiana Atkins, the co-founder of Native Sons. Our goal is to approach the city's gun violence problem strategically and not all at once. Things didn't become this way overnight, and change won't happen overnight. So they're begging Chicago criminals, they're begging Chicago criminals to stop using their guns when most people are out between, and kids, when they're out between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. They're not asking them to stop using their guns entirely. They're just saying, hey, look, during the 12 hours when a lot of the civilians are on the street, would you please stop using your guns? Then after 9 o'clock at night until 9 the next morning, go do your thing. Go out and be criminals. Go out and shoot whoever you want to shoot. Use your guns any way you want to after 9 o'clock at night. Just at 9 o'clock in the morning, can you give us a ceasefire on the gun activity? And this is how Democrats and liberals in Chicago believe that they should be fighting crime. Beg the criminals, oh, criminals, please, 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 criminals, stop shooting between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. This is the kind of lunacy, lunacy, outright lunacy, that is part of Blue City America. You have prosecutors who will not keep criminals behind bars. You have members of the political class who go on and on and on if you lock up criminals. They come up with these little buzzwords. Oh, we don't like mass incarceration. We have to be against mass incarceration. You have Democrat billionaires supporting district attorneys who want to release the criminals into the neighborhoods. And what is the response from Democrat politicians in Chicago? First, you have the mayor chiding reporters because they called mob violence mob, because they talked about these looters that rob in mobs. He says it's not it's not very helpful to call them mobs. We, we, we don't want you talking about our criminals like that. We don't like this term mobs. It makes the criminals feel bad to call them mobsters and to call them a mob. That's not necessary. Let's not let the – if you think I'm making this up, I'll find the, the story. That was from two weeks ago. The mayor of Chicago goes on the warpath with a reporter who dares talk about these mob of looters. That's not very helpful. We don't like you calling them a mob. So the mayor doesn't want you to call the criminals bad names like mob. And now you have this older person out there begging the criminals, oh, listen, hey, guys, um, listen, yes, we know you're criminals. We, we know that you like to shoot your illegal guns. But could you, like, please, like, like stop, like, shooting between, like, 9 a.m. and, like, 9 p.m.? Could you do us that solid, please? Don't shoot your guns 
between, let's do a ceasefire between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. No one out there is talking about actually making these criminals accountable for their crimes and putting them away so that they cannot commit the crimes. Could you please stop, like, you know, like shooting, like between, like, 9 a.m. and, like, 9 p.m.? You think you can do that? We can have a ceasefire? And we're not calling you mobs. We're not going to call you bad names because, you you know, we love you criminals. We don't want you to be mass incarcerated. I mean, <laughs> what you, uh, next we're going to have Hamsterdam. Let's just let's just put all the criminals in one little place and let them commit their crimes. You know, I, this is <laughs> this is just insanity on parade. Every week it gets worse. James Golden, A.K.A. Snurley, WABC Talk Radio seventy seven eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Your call is coming up. This is David Bowie. Let's dance on WABC. You know what? Do we have any Kate Bush? Because there's a reference to Kate Bush today. In 2014, Kate Bush um, did 22 date run of performances in London. She asked the audience not to take photographs, to record footage using their mobile devices, she just said she wanted to have contact with them as an audience, not iPhones, not iPads or cameras. I went to one of those dates. I went to London. That was my first trip to London, actually, to go see Kate Bush and this concert. And it was an awesome concert. My man Omar Hakim, who you heard playing drums on Let's Dance, also played with Kate Bush on this game. And it was a wonderful gig. And people complied. They didn't they didn't use their iPhones. They didn't use their, 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 you know, they weren't any of that stuff where you see half the audience holding up their cameras recording the event. They just enjoyed the show. It was awesome. Kate Bush, WABC Talk Radio 77. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza coming back right after this. In your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. What am I doing with you? The fires are a distraction to the bigger picture. That's the truth. The fires are not a distraction. The fires are the fires. They are the story. You have 480 people lose their lives in horrific conditions, and you say the fires are a distraction? Oh, my. Everything is a distraction. The fires are real. The people that got killed, this is reality. It is a painful, ugly reality. Oh, man, oh, man.
Okay, there are some weird stories in the news, too. Some days I do them. Some days I look and I say, I I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether I should go here or not. Yes, your calls are coming. I, I it, th- This one actually took me, folks. This one took me a minute when I first, I kept saying, what, 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 what to myself? What, 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 what? Here's the story headline. This is from the New York Post. I saw this story two days ago. Pardon me, folks. This is a little bit of a graphic headline, and I'm not doing it for sensational purposes. Doing it because it's in the news. And this is one that made me shake my head. I'm like, what? What are you? What is this headline? You tell me if you follow this headline all the way through. In fact, let me ask the staff if they could tell me what this story is about simply from the headline. Okay, Nick, pay attention to this headline and tell me what this story is about. I'm just going to read the headline once, and you tell me what this story is about. Jake, I'm going to ask you the same question. Jake, I'm going to read this headline once, and then I want you to tell me what this story is about. From the New York Post this Thursday. Mom's... Here's the headline. Mom found son's decapitated body after he was allegedly murdered by his girlfriend, who was also married to his son. Cops. All right, come on, Nick. Tell me what the story's about. It started out pretty, you know, standard, but then you got to the also married to his son part, and I'm thinking, whose son are we talking about? But uh, let's see what Jake thinks. Well, I think... There's only one thing this story is about. It's clearly a distraction from everything that's going on in the world right now. And that's why this, this headline is so complicated. It's to, to take our attention away. So it doesn't matter what the story is about. It's just a distraction. All right. I want to read that. I'm going to read the headline one more time, ladies and gentlemen. See if you can follow along at home with this one. Mom found son's decapitated body after he was allegedly murdered by his girlfriend, who was also married to his son. Cops. Yeah. A horrified Nevada mom discovered her son's decapitated body after he was allegedly murdered by his girlfriend, who was also married to his own son according to cops. And this story gets worse from there. I'm not going to go into the actual details of it because I don't want to be salacious. It makes you, things that make you go, what is going on in America today? I know what we should do. We should ask the criminals not to shoot each other between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m., could you, like, like stop, like, you know, shooting each other, like, between 9 in the morning and 9 at night? Uh, Elon Musk, those of you who use Twitter, said he's going to stop the block. Stop the block. You know how you can block people on Twitter? He says he's going to take that feature away. He won't be able to block the kooks, block the nuts anymore. I don't block kooks. I like kooks. I block the people that are openly racist and hostile and mean and ugly and nasty. I love kooks. 
Chris Christie, you heard this at the top of the hour news with James Flippen. You heard Chris Christie calling Donald Trump a coward because Donald Trump won't come and debate people like Chris Christie who are barely registering in the polls. Republican presidential candidate Chris Christie called former President Trump a certified loser and a verified coward. This is what Chris Christie is calling Donald Trump, a certified loser and a verified coward. Surprise, surprise, the guy who's out on bail from four jurisdictions and can't defend his reprehensible conduct is running scared and hiding from the debate stage. Chris Christie wrote in a post on X, Trump certified loser, verified coward. Hey, tr- yeah, Chris, that's going to help you win the White House. huh? We'll take a break. Come back. Start taking your calls. Thank you for being so patient on hold. We're going to take some calls when we get back. James Golden, WABC. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. we got a ways to go. Stay with us here. And you know we are midway through the show. We're coming back. Don't go away from our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Uh, here we go, baby. Oh. Oh, that was painful. It's midway through the program every week. We are up. Everybody in the jam. In the studio is up. They're dancing. They're moving. Jake has got some moves. Nick has got some moves. T's got some moves. It's Saturday morning. This is our morning dance time. If you have been sitting, working, or just chilling... Time to get up and move your body on WABC Spiral Gyra. This is our happy place where we give you a morning dance. Oh, it feels so good to get up and move. One of these days, we're going to get to the end of this song, too. Beautiful. Let's head back to the telephones. Andrew in Jersey, you've been waiting. How are you, Andrew? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I just want to say with Oprah, it, I don't even really want to say, but the donating after, she said when the smoke settles, like why doesn't she donate now for FEMA? So, but I want to say with Oprah and the guy Adam that calls and Obama and the leftists, they're actually the ones that are racist against black people. Yes, that's my point. Oprah supported Obama, his policies, 39,000 black-on-black shootings in Chicago, more than that, those were just the reported ones. And Oprah's studio was in Chicago. She's giggling on her show, saying what book to read, while there was actually 100 black-on-black shootings that weekend. She supports Obama's policies, which caused almost a 70% out-of-wedlock birth rate, which he admitted in the black okay. community. Which you, he know, you know what, Andrew, 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 I'm not a fan of Obama, but this is a little bit unfair. Obama did not start the great society. He was a little punk kid when that was going on. When you start talking about the policy that actually started and changed American families, you know, the the late Dr. Walter Williams 
used to talk about this all the time. In the 1950s, black Americans had the highest rate of two-parent families of any group in America. After the Great Society programs came in, and after some years settled with that, and that was what started rewarding single parents to have more children out of wedlock, those numbers changed, and black families went from having the highest rate of two-parent families in America to the lowest rate. Black women had the lowest rate of abortion. And after the Great Society program put in by Lyndon Baines Johnson and the Democrats, that number went up to the highest. So to sit here and blame Obama on things that preceded him is not fair. To blame Oprah for these things. Now, I'm not, a, I've never watched a full Oprah Winfrey program. I've seen snippets of Oprah over the years. But just to target Obama and say, oh, well, this is Obama's fault. It's not Obama's fault that Chicago kids have been shooting at each other, that black-on-black crime is what it is. You pin this on Obama? That's not fair. And it's not justified by the, the information. Black crime has been growing out of control since the liberal programs that put this country on this downward slope and that started ruining the black family. This part is true. But to single out Obama for this? Come on, you can do better than that, Andrew. Does Obama support the liberal policies? Is he a liberal Absol- Democrat? Every Democrat that supports this, every single Democrat that supports this should be held to account, Obama included. But to blame Obama is missing the point, and it's not accurate. That's my point, Andrew. I'm blaming the policies that he supports and those policies. No, you, we all heard you. You sat here and blamed Obama. You said this is Obama did, Obama did. No. So come on, man. Cop up to it. Just, I'm, I'm not arguing with you about your conclusions about the policies. I think you're dead on. But this thing, if you're going to target Obama, you're going to target Oprah like they're behind it, that is not an intellectually honest Way to look at this. You're, go ahead. The Democrats, the Democrats get money from the teachers' union, and in the inner city, the schools are the worst, failing. And they Amen. The school choice, so that's racist. So who is really? Amen. Obama Amen. Is taking the money from the teachers' union. Okay, some- here we go again with this Obama fixation. The teachers' unions have been in the pockets of Democrats. For years, Democrats have been in the pockets of of liberals for years. For years. It didn't start with Obama. Obama is a Democrat, and it continued under Obama. But this fixation to try, to try to blame Obama stuff is not intellectually honest. This is Democrat Party policy. And you're absolutely right. When you look at what has happened to these inner city schools, if you, Derek and I were talking the first hour about the wire, and they have so much about the, the school conditions in Baltimore at the time, 20 years. Here we are 20 years later, and it's worse in many black schools. I talk about this in New York City. New York City, you have over 242 failing schools, the last report that I read. And it barely gets a mention from Eric Adams. It barely gets a mention from any Democrat. You talk about school change giving parents 
the freedom to send their kids to better school. Democrats are opposed to it. This is not Obama. This is the Democrat Party and their racism. But to simply just put this on Obama is a bunch of BS. Sorry, calling you on that part of it. Jerry, I got to go. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate your call, bro. Jerry in South Carolina. How are you, Jerry? I heard your last caller. I have an opinion. Uh, This releasing of of terrorists, uh, to me, it it started with Obama to me, the Taliban Five and Bo Bergdahl releasing the Lockerbie bomber. And here we are again releasing more terrorists. I don't remember any president releasing terrorists until Obama did it. Well, let me just put it like this. Number one, George Bush and his administration started taking heat for Guantanamo Bay, as you can remember. And if memory serves me right, I'll have to go look at it. One or two were released during the Bush years, but not many. Obama went high gear with it, and they started, we got to Remember, they made the pledge that they were going to close Gitmo because the liberals were screaming of how unfair it is that we were keeping terrorists housed at Club Gitmo down there in Cuba. And so this exacerbated under Obama. Now, the story that I read in the first hour, no one's talking about releasing Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. What they're saying is that these terrorists that remain that were responsible for 9-11 will not face the death penalty. And I don't understand that. I do not shut you down all the time. See, this is the problem when you deal with, with I, I get so many texts during the program. I do not shut down my friends all the time. Why do I bother? It's a distraction. Um, anyway, uh, it is not Obama entirely, but it was Obama that started this release. And we were complaining about it at the time. Rush went off on it. This idea that they had, what they used to do was extract extract promises from these terrorists. Oh, if we let you go and we repatriate you to your home country, you won't take arms against the United States again. And the terrorists would say, yeah, that's right. Just release me. That's right. Sure. I won't take arms against the United States again. And they release them. And this is the same Obama administration, don't forget, that sent pallets of money, billions of dollars in the middle of the night to Iran. And and we still can't figure that one out. And no outrage. But I don't think it's fair to say that it started with Obama because I seem to recollect that there were one or two of these terrorists that were released during the Bush three years. Go ahead, Jerry, give you the last word. Uh, well, thanks, Mrs. Snurley. I just think I agree with you that Obama just put the nitrous oxide in the engine and he is going full-blown with yep. all of this craziness. And look at, the, look at the situation in Chicago you talked about. I remember Susan Rice telling us if we just showed some love and give them a hug, I think is what she said, they will, everything will change if we just give them a hug and be nice to them. And here we are in Chicago saying, just be nice to, can you just be nice to us and not shoot us? It sounds like right. Susan Rice to me, man. Just, yeah, just, oh, please, please, bad guys, just, please, don't shoot between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Can you, like, can you, like, work with us? It, it's, 
Jerry, it's and, and then when this guy writes a song and says this stuff wouldn't happen in a small town, and he's absolutely right about it, then half these liberals get upset and start calling the guy racist because he points out the obvious. This stuff wouldn't fly in a small town. Jerry, thank you for the call. We so appreciate you. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy, coming back. More calls coming up here on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Don't go away. Saturday morning, radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Here's a horrible story, folks. Apologies in advance. The main suspect in the murder of an 11-year-old girl found strangled to death under her bed in Texas is a Guatemalan immigrant who entered the United States in January, police said yesterday, revealing that a key left behind in the little girl's home was a vital piece of evidence. Maria Gonzalez, body found by her father, home in Pasadena, Texas, Saturday when he returned home from work. She had been sexually assaulted. Police in Pasadena named Juan Carlos Garcia Rodriguez, 18 years old, as a person of interest, main suspect in the case. He was residing in the same apartment complex where the victim was found but has since left. He was there for several weeks. He's believed to have entered the United States in January, crossed the border in El Paso, Texas. After he self-surrendered, it is believed the teenager who was 17 when he crossed, was then set free. This is part of Joe Biden's just open borders, let anybody in the country, let's not vet, let's not do anything. This is part of the whole Biden deal. Let's let them in, regardless of whoever they are, let them in. Well, right now, police can't find him. He is believed to have fled back into Mexico. Will anybody ever be held accountable? for this mess that is happening at the borders. Where's Alejandro Mayorkas? Where's the accountability for Joe Biden? Where is the accountability for these open border Democrats? Close to New Jersey yesterday. A New Jersey judge, ladies and if you are in the Marlboro area, Manalapan, English Township, English Town, Middletown. If you're in one of those school districts, be prepared. A New Jersey judge has ruled that these three school districts, Marlboro, Manalapan, English Town, and Middletown, you are temporarily, your school district, prohibited from enforcing policies on transgender students in which schools would be required, required to alert the parents 
if their child decides to change their gender. In other words, a judge ruled that these districts can allow kids and these school people, the groomers, to some of them, not all of them, to keep this information away from the parents. Now, the judge did say he's not rendering any final judgments or determinations as to the merits of either the state or the school board claims. This is just part of a larger civil rights case. But for the time being, he wrote, David Bauman wrote a preliminary injunction prohibiting the schools from enforcing policies that these these school districts had to tell the parents of these children what was going on. Now, the Democrat governor over there, Phil Murphy, is one of the main proponents that wants parents kept in the dark. It used to be in the New Jersey that we all knew a long time ago, this would have been unthinkable. But Phil Murray's one of these liberal Democrats, they're pushing this ideology and and the parents, you have, all you have to do, just keep paying the high taxes. Just keep paying for this liberalism. But you have no rights if you're a parent. You don't even have the right to know what's going on with your own kid, according to these Democrats. Okay, I am having a major argument with the with the Countess of Conspiracy. While the show is going on, she claims I'm not being fair, that I just shut everything off, that I do not. I try to explain. If that's the case, I will apologize to the Countess of Conspiracy, the Queen of Kooks, because I am not trying to shut down the kookism. I am trying to level my responses to some of the kookism. I'm not trying to shut it down. I have been complaining ever since this Hawaii thing happened that the kooks are out in full force. They're telling us all that the fires got started from space lasers or from some lasers on planes that have been retrofitted so that they can send down space lasers to start fires. I reject that. They tell me that this stuff is just a distraction. From what? Fires are not a distraction when people lose their lives. They are the story. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, not even the kooks out there. But I'm not just going to sit down and listen to all this kookery every week and just go along with it. I'm not trying to shut anybody down. If you are a proud kook, please feel free to call me here at WABC. I've always opened the door to the kooks. You kooks know that. You kooks that want to talk about chemtrails. You've always been welcome here. You kooks who want to talk about how 5G towers are ruining Earth. You're welcome here. You kooks who want to talk about space lasers and how they're starting fires. Please call me. I'm not going to make... I started to say I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to. Anyway, call me. It's just a distraction anyway. 
James Golden at KH Nerdly. Let's get to Margaret in New York. Margaret, how are you? You're on WABC. Hi, oh, thanks for taking my call. I was just thinking about what you were saying about in Chicago, how they want to limit the um, attacks on the public or whatever it is from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And yes. I have a couple of thoughts. Number okay. one, I think it's going to be very confusing that when they uh, twice a year when they change over for daylight saving time. When <laughs> to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's stupid enough to kill innocent people, I mean, they're not going to be able to follow uh, the timeline. But anyway, you know, it, it smacks to me of uh, this policy for raising children where there's no competition and everybody's a winner and we all get a sticker and, you know, and I'm sick of it. And I, I think that I can't believe people are voted into office to do this. And I think it's high time that these people who are in office, they should consider at least their family and their friends that what if something happened to them? You know? Um, I don't know, because they never seem to care about that. It's like with this case, this horrible case that we just read about, this this, this young girl being killed and sexually abused, 11 years old. You would think the Democrats that always tell us things are for the children would be out talking about these things. Their policies are behind what is happening in this country that are affecting so many people like this little girls, and yet they have absolutely nothing to say when these things happen, and they happen, and they happen time after time again. You're so right. Yeah. Margaret, thank you, my darling. I appreciate your call. Dana in Long Island, thank you for waiting. You're on WABC. It's Bo Snurley, Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you? I'm doing good, man. What's going on? Everything is cool. You know, before I get into it, I got to say, I was watching the Alliance commercial, and I like your scat outfit that you were wearing. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. You remind me of the Flintstones episode where the guy said Scooby Doo Wah Wah Contact. You remember that episode? I don't remember that episode of the Flintstones, yeah, but I'll like take hipster, it as a compliment. Well, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Time's anyway, running out. Give like... me your point real quick. Okay. No one's still talking about the homeless people in Lahaina. What happened to them? You know, and you called about this last week. Uh, we are reaching out to somebody in, in uh, Maui. We'll let you know whether we get them on future shows. Because this is an issue. There are so many that are homeless, and there are so many that are still in... They have not even finished identifying many of the people who were burned to death in this horrid fire out there. So this is not a story that is over. It's a story that will be continuing. We have to take a break for news. James Flippin coming up with WABC News. Stay with us. Our number trio of our Saturday morning radio extravaganza coming up. Do not go away. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Well, I posted something on the uh, Daily BS. Welcome back, hour number three. If you want to be part of the program today, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800 848 
This is the hour number trio, our third hour here of our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. I posted something on the Daily BS. I posted a video from Larry Elder. He was on with Charlemagne the God, and he rocked the house. Larry Elder killed it. And I say that. I, I don't even like using that term. He It was amazing. Larry Elder was so brilliant. Charlemagne the God tried to hit him out with this thing. He used the N-word. Have you ever heard of the N blah, blah, blah thing, which is supposed to be, he, he was going to try to take Larry Elder off his game. Larry, no, I, I haven't heard of it. But then Larry just pushed right back on him and talked about how Charlemagne should have been insulted the way that Joe Biden came on his show. Speaking of this, it, 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 if you watch the video, it's amazing. Uh, videos are becoming more and more. Have you seen this new craze that's going along with parents? I have to find this story. I have to find it. I didn't print it out, but I know where to find it real quickly because I texted it to a lot of people, including my daughter last night. Here it is. This is the story. I'm I'm pulling it up now on the web. It was in the New York Post yesterday. And for those of you parents out there, I'd like to know if you've heard of this. Here's the headline of this new craze. Parents cracking eggs on babies' heads in sick TikTok trend, how you lose trust. The thought that you could make a viral video omelet without cracking some eggs. Parents, parents, parents are receiving backlash online. They are videoing themselves cracking eggs on their kids' heads as part of this new social media trend. It's the egg crack challenge. And they're getting many, many views on this. So here's what happens. They get these toddlers, these young kids, these babies, these toddlers. They bring them into wherever it is, the kitchen. Well, we're going to help, help mommy make some eggs or whatever. I'm sorry. <laughs> the description in the New York Post. I'll just read this. In one hilarious clip, a young woman shatters a chicken embryo on a boy's head. The little toddler, the little toddler ex- exclaims, what the F? Other kids, though, they look hurt. They're confused. Why is my mommy hitting me in the head with an egg and busting the egg open on my head? Now, remember, this isn't the first time TikTok, the Chinese commie program that has infiltrated America, has labeled things like people think it's abuse. During the lockdowns, the COVID lockdowns, parents were ripped for pretending to smear poop on their traumatized toddlers. I don't understand these. They're using their own kids as the butt of these video jokes. I don't understand why this stuff is. These are the same websites 
that don't want you to discuss anything political that disagrees with the left narratives. But now the challenge is crack an egg on your toddler's head, and that's supposed to be funny. It's not just here in the States, by the way, that this madness is happening. The city of Paris, many of you have friends that are going to Paris in in a few weeks to go celebrate, but the city of Paris is now going to ban, guess what, pony rides for children in public parks. This was after a successful campaign by animal rights activists who said the animals were suffering because children were riding them in some Parisian parks. So now... Ponies are not toys, the activist said. Children learn nothing about them from these walks. No emotional link is created. The, it just turns the ponies into entertainment objects. So now they've won, and starting next, starting in the year 2025, if you are a Parisian or visiting Paris with kids, even though the parks have been famous for having Pony walks, you will not be able to take your little tyke or tykeette on a pony ride in Paris because supposedly it hurts the animals. Now, look, I understand a lot of people on the conservative side, usually these animal rights actors are wackos. I am, 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 I think that in a lot of ways, the animal rights crowd are natural allies for conservatives. Because some of them, the sane ones, not the insane ones, but the sane ones have a respect for life that is very similar to what many conservatives think about life. And they could could be the sane ones, natural allies. I'm going to learn a little bit later. I still have the ongoing argument with the queen of conspiracy about these Hawaiian fires, so I will learn at another point what the real story is. I am told that the real story is not the fire, but we don't have time to go into it now. I can't wait to hear what the real story is. Uh, Hurricane Hillary is heading for California. Now, this is supposed to be a -a one-of-a-kind story. Again, this is going to go in that whole global warming thing. Ooh, it's never happened before. California's never had hurricanes before. Well, right now, there's a powerful Cat 4. And let me tell you, Cat 4 hurricanes are nothing to play with. Storm off the coast of western Mexico. 130 mile an hour winds heading towards southern Cal. But it's not supposed to hit on land. It's supposed to drop down to a tropical storm. Now, tropical storms can leave a little mess. There's supposed to be some flooding out there. I'm not trying to downplay it. But at the same time, they're treating this like this is some something that has never, ever happened. Tropical storms have hit Southern California before. Doesn't happen often, but they happen. And there was a Category 1 hurricane that hit in 1858. 
another tropical storm in 1939 that hit California. This isn't the first time that California will suffer a tropical storm. I referenced this story earlier. Former Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez said Friday that former President Trump should serve time, if should serve time, if he's convicted on federal charges. In fact, if he's convicted of charges charged by Jack Smith in the Department of Justice, yeah, I think he should serve time, quite frankly. Of course, where was old, the Bushy Attorney General? He was on PMSNBC. And you want to know about this chasm in the Republican Party. There's the chasm on parade. Many conservatives like me really supported George W. Bush and Bush 43. But there is a war in the Republican Party with the hardcore Bushies and the people, the MAGA, Trump supporters. And the Bushies do not have not liked Donald Trump. The idea that Alberto Gonzalez would support Donald Trump going to jail and not point out this two-tier justice system under the DOJ, really, Mr. Gonzalez, really. Coming back, your calls. On WABC, don't go away. And the way the sunlight plays upon her head. I hear the sound of a gentle on the perfume through the air. I'm picking up good vibrations. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Wow, Nick, I haven't heard this in a long time. Well, this is smacks of 80s. WABC Talk Radio 77. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Yeah, here in my car. There's a story, again, this one's in the Daily Beast today. California Democrat wants DeSantis investigated for trafficking illegal aliens. A California state lawmaker is calling for an investigation of Ron DeSantis. How about the investigation of Joe Biden for the illegal trafficking of migrants? 
Evan Lowe is his name. He's a Democrat, of course, who's claiming that Ron DeSantis illegally trafficked vulnerable migrants across state lines unknowingly to California to score cheap political points. You know, this problem with the immigration, you guys declared yourself a sanctuary city out there, a sanctuary state. So instead of uh, demanding that Ron DeSantis be held up for investigation, you ought to be sending him a thank you card. You have asked for illegal immigrants to pour into your state so that you can give them benefits, you can give them sanctuary. Thank Ron DeSantis for sending a few your way so you can keep your promises. The Biden administration last night, another Friday night news dump, announced that 183,503 immigrants were encountered at the southern border in July. This is the 29th straight month of the worst border crisis in our history. Those numbers are 27% increase over the following month. The number is worse than I thought. I've been saying up to 6 million. Since Joe Biden took office, ladies and gentlemen, 7.2 million. 7.2 million illegal immigrants have crossed over into the United States. million. And that includes 1.4 million who escaped Border Patrol and then vanished into the country. Illegal drugs are flowing into America at an alarming rate. And yet you have this wizard of smart, Evan Lowe, saying he that Ron DeSantis is the problem. Ron DeSantis is trafficking trafficking in illegal immigrants. The poor migrants. There are multiple stories today about Joe Biden. We've learned that he was using other email addresses. This story goes way back though. I have in my many stacks of news this morning an AP story from the bite from the Obama years that began some of President Barack Obama's political appointees are using secret government email accounts to conduct official business, the Associated Press found, a practice that complicates agencies' legal responsibilities to find and turn over emails under public record requests and congressional inquiries. White House spokesman Jay Carney on Tuesday acknowledged the practice and said it made imminent sense for cabinet secretaries and other high-profile officials to have what he calls alternative email accounts. This violates laws. This is the entire hypocrisy. They're going after Trump. 
trying to throw him in jail over government records. These people have been violating every law concerning government records for years. And then you get people like former Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez saying that Trump ought to go to jail. Harvard Law Professor Alan Dershowitz is calling for an independent special counsel in the Hunter Biden probe, saying he doesn't want the House of Representatives looking into it. House of Representatives is too partisan. It pains me to say this because I like Joe Biden, said Dershowitz. I've known him 40 years. I'd like to vote for him in the next election, but the time has come to appoint an independent outside counsel to investigate the relationship between Hunter Biden and President Biden. There's already a special counsel on the classified material. That's totally different. In fact, if I were Joe Biden, I would be calling for a special counsel to take this case out of the partisan House of Representatives. Well, no, he doesn't want that. You know, there have been a lot of stories about land being bought up near a uh, military installation in Michigan. We've now learned that there is a California energy company slated to build a battery factory near a Michigan military installation, and it's registered as a Chinese foreign principal. Chinese-based battery manufacturer. Now, they're calling this fear-mongering that people are concerned. I guarantee you that you will not find American companies building anything, anything, near Chinese military installations over there in their country. It won't happen. But yet here we're going to actually debate whether it's something that should happen here or not. It's fear-mongering to point it out. We have twisted ourselves in so many knots over being politically correct that it's almost impossible for people to just do the right thing Say, of course, we're not going to let a foreign adversary of the United States, a person that belongs and has citizenship of that country, build a battery plant next to an American military installation. It doesn't make sense. But this is what we get. This is something now that we think has to be debated. If you were with me first hour, I'm still outraged. I am outraged, but I still am. That story that came out of California where you had two Dallas police officers laughing themselves silly because a disabled veteran, they denied him the use of a bathroom at a pizzeria there. 
You can find that story in the Daily Mail. You can find it in other places. I'm not saying there was a racial component in it, but the facts speak for themselves. The, the guy happened to be a black guy. He has a disability that requires him to have emergency access to restrooms after he was injured, underwent surgery on his lower body while serving in Afghanistan, Kuwait, and Iraq as an Army sergeant. These two off-duty officers at the Sirius Pizza in Deep Ellum refused to let this guy use the bathroom. He says they didn't even ask him. They wouldn't even take a look at his medical ID. So then the guy, after he urinated all over himself, lost his bowel movement, he called 911. So 911 calls back the video. There's a video of this, these two police officers. Somebody called saying they just pissed themselves because of you two guys, one of the officers says in the video. A second off-duty officer laughingly replies, you just made a guy pee himself? The video show then shows these police officers in Dallas, one of them slapping his knee, seemingly amused, asked if the guy actually called 911 about it. So you have these Dallas police officers laughing themselves silly because they would not let a veteran who was wounded in service to America use a bathroom because of the disability of his wounds that he took for this country. And you have these Dallas police officers laughing because they made the guy urinate and lose his bowels all over himself, bowel leakage and urinate all over himself at this restaurant. And these police officers are laughing about it, laughing. And this, 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 this pizza joint, there's something suspect here. Their actions, talking to the police, were not, were not representative of how we treat our guests and the general public. Given that none of our employees were presented with any documentation indicating that Mr. Lane was disabled, we are disheartened that we didn't have the opportunity to resolve the situation in real time. They're trying to get off the hook. This restaurant isn't clean either. This is a disgrace. I don't understand how these people can sleep at night. You think it's funny. Even if he wasn't a veteran, even if he didn't have this need to use the bathroom, because he was wounded in service to this country. You have these people that are allegedly police officers laughing themselves silly because silly because somebody loses it and he, and is humiliated in this way. It is cruel beyond belief. I have a friend of mine that runs a website that caters to law enforcement people. And we talk all the time. 
And again, if, if, if you hear me, and you will hear me go off on police officers once in a while on this show, but I support law enforcement. <clears throat> but I also call out the rogues. And these two in Dallas that did this, they don't deserve to wear a badge. They don't deserve to be on anybody's police department. Most of the people that serve, serve honorably, our law enforcement communities. But when you have cases like this, these people need to be, uh, they, they need to be gone. They are not what law enforcement needs representing them. WABC, Talk Radio 77, James Golden, coming back. Your call's coming up right after this. On WABC, Tom Bell, of course, the genius mastermind. 848-WABC, 77 WABC. I love those Joe Piscopo stories of Sinatra. I just love them. Good day, sunshine. Good day, you know what we have to play before we leave here today? I can see clearly now by Johnny Nash. Today would have been his birthday. He's born in 1940. We can do it next month. But you know what? The, the, what he's talking about, what Joe Piscopo talked about, the arrangement. And, and the many people that arranged, geniuses that arranged some of Frank Sinatra's music. Frank Sinatra, in many ways, was this country's first pop star. I mean, real pop star. That age of the pop started with Frank Sinatra in many ways. I just hope that in the future that American music is a force that changed the world, what has happened in this country with our music. And, I, and, and yes, the British invasion was all of that, but the British invasion became the British invasion because of the popularity that it got here in America, which turned it into the worldwide phenomena that it was. But it was our rock and roll that was the that were the underpinnings of the British musicians. You go back, you listen to uh, Mick Jagger, you listen to the Beatles talk about their influences. They were American musicians and what was happening in the American music scene. And if you go back further than that, and then you go back to where Sinatra was coming from and what Sinatra did, Sinatra was a giant and what he did to transform America's music scene. And I hope in the future that really American children are taught 
the incredible role of American musicians. And that just, it didn't start with Sinatra. Go all the way back. Go all the way back to Louis Armstrong. Go all the way back. Scott Joplin. Go all the way back as far as we can take it back. And many of the unsung heroes, and we play some of them from time to time here, the American music is unique in how it changed the entire world. And I think sometimes it, we, we lose it. Like I did a story the other week from The Hill talking about, you know, rap is blah, blah, blah years old. And they didn't go to the full story of rap. We had a caller that talked about Jocko the Philadelphia disc jockey. And, of course, I mentioned that American rap wouldn't be what it is without Gary Bird. It's right here in New York, the GBE, the, the Gary Bird experience. As we talk culture, American culture, there are so many, and it's not just popular music. We have some giants in classical. We have giants in the world of opera. What we have done in, with music in America, I'd say there used to be music appreciation courses. Those have gone with the wind in many places. But I hope that this part of American history lives on. Let's go to Rick in Elmwood Park, New Jersey, who's been waiting quite a while. Rick, thank you for your patience. How are you? James, give me a ho if you've got your funky bus there. All right. I got some details for you on the uh, CO2 scam. Zero percent is caused by humans. Yep. And I'll tell you why. The hypothesis is actually CO2 caused catastrophic anthropogenic global warming. That does not exist. The, the hypothesis states that CO2 controls the temperature of the Earth. We know that's not true because from 1945 to 1979, 1998 to 2015 and 2016 to present day, temperatures fell while CO2 was on the rise. So that falsifies the hypothesis. Boom. Boom. And you know what? You don't hear that very often. What he's saying is actually correct. This And, and this idea, we talked about it the other day with the staff too, that, that man-made, what you're doing is causing these things in the world. It is an amazing arrogance that defies scientific reality. And you just nailed that. Raphael, thank you, Rick. Raphael in Rockland County, you're on WABC. How are you? Yes, good morning, Mr. Colvin. Second time calling, waited for a while. Um, I don't even know where to begin, but um, I felt so sad about that little girl being raped. Yeah. And... My point is, when when I was in junior high school, I remember uh, my favorite subject was uh, social studies. And I don't know if the quote is correct. Maybe you could um, clear my mind on that. But I remember learning that um, Abraham Lincoln said that America is going to fall full within and like I always say, the quote was, a house, house divided against itself will not stand. That was the quote that you're referring to from Abraham Lincoln. A house divided against itself will not stand. Exactly. And, you know, I feel bad for America and I feel bad for my, I have seven grandchildren. 
And, you know, I, I think about their future, the way this country is going. And, for example, I work for the United States Postal Service, and I used to work for the city. And I, I had a background check, fingerprinting, everything to find out like, to get this kind of job. And I don't understand, when you're going to get aboard a plane, you got to go through TSA, you got to go through all these checks checkpoint and everything to, you know, make sure that you're not carrying anything, that you're not breaking any laws. What is going on that they just open these borders and let all these people in? I mean, the beginning of the United States back in the 1900s, when every, everyone came to Ellis Island, okay, but it was, you know, it was like everything was, you have to show your name, where you're coming from, your birth certificate. What is going on? Mr. Golden, what is going on is a complete lawlessness on the part of the Biden administration toward immigration. This is not the first time this has happened, though, in America, I must tell you, but not to the extent that it is now. We've never seen it with the numbers that we've seen now, but we have had waves of this before in American history. Now, let me just say something else about the first thing that you said and the Lincoln quote, a house divided against itself will not stand. People need to understand this. America has been at odds. We Americans have been at odds with each other since before this country was founded. We have never been a quote-unquote unified country. Unification is a myth. We have always had opposing political views. What we have not had until very recently is the level of institutional corruption that is now present in our government, where these government agencies are now at war with Republicans, and that's what's happening. So we shall see how America fares, but keep in mind, too, in the total scheme of the universe, in the total scheme of Earth, America is still a very young country. And we cannot afford to give give up on it. And we have to fight like previous generations have fight, have fought to keep our freedoms and our liberties. Raphael, I so love you called. Thank you for waiting. I appreciate your patience. Thank it was you. so worthwhile to hear from you, Raphael. Thank you. And many of us got your message. We hear you. Thank you. John, in Connecticut, you're up next on WABC. How are you? I'm good, Bo. Thanks for taking the call. I wanted to go back to the conversation you had with the gentleman about blaming Obama for, you know, a lot of deaths. Now, yeah, he didn't pull the trigger. But I'm going to mention a few things. I'll mention them, and then I'll just wait for your comment. Okay. Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Eric Garner, and a black professor in Boston. Okay. What he did there was he promoted the fact that you don't have to listen to police. Doesn't matter if you're a murderer, whatever, challenge them. Now, if that's not being responsible for a number of crimes, then I'm wrong. But uh, uh, you you have to admit this was. John, you have said now you have narrowed down on something that I can agree with you at. You were talking about Skip Gates. And that whole thing that happened with with uh, Skip Gates, the Harvard, Harvard professor, and all the rest of it, and the way 
uh, if I had a son, he would look like Trayvon and all the rest of it. There is no question that Barack Obama set racial relationships back in this country. And the shame of it is, the absolute shame of it is, that if Obama had governed like he campaigned, America would have been elevated under his presidency. And he would have gone down as one of the greatest presidents of all time. Instead, he went back to the racial playbook that the Democrats used and amplified it. He could have taken the country forward by addressing these things. In a, and he tried once. He did one speech where he talked to black parents about their responsibility in raising black children. He got so much blowback from Democrats, he quickly shut up on that and went with the party line. Political cowardness. But there is no question that under Obama, racial relationships were set back. And administratively. Remember, under his administration, he tried to change the housing regulations to actually promote more lawsuits. And I'll have to get into the specifics. You look what he did with education and some of the things that they did there, which was pretty much giving a lot of these rogue students a pass because they didn't want to promote the so-called school-to-prison pipeline. And as a result, we had these kids that were never charged for misbehavior, and one of them turned out to be this kid down at Parkland who ended up going in and shooting up the place and killing people. There are a lot of things that Obama can be blamed for that he did. He directly did, which is my point to the other caller. We don't have to make up stuff about Obama. There's enough that he did that we can talk about without taking it into overdrive and claiming he did things that he's not responsible for. John, thank you for the call so much. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, WABC Talk Radio 77. Coming back, more of your calls straight ahead. Oh, here it is. Thank you, Nick. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Heavenly birthday. Johnny Nash. In my way. In 1972. Number one in the, the United States. Uh, Johnny Nash died in 2020, aged 80, natural causes. But will always be remembered for this one. To determine whether or not there is a cause and effect. Download all of Red Apple Media's podcasts right now through your favorite podcast platform. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Oh, yeah, gotta love it. Let's head back to the telephones on WABC. Time is a fleeting. Jerry in Jersey, welcome. You're on WABC. How are you? Hello, Jerry. Well, Jerry going once, Jerry going twice. 
We're going, Jerry. Let's go to Ralph in New Rochelle. Ralph, how you doing? Good morning, Mr. Golden. Before I get to uh, my point, I just was wondering, I haven't heard of Avery on the air. Is that Avery okay? Is I, I didn't fine. know what Avery, was going on. Avery has moved on to some other things with his life, and he's doing quite well. That's great to hear. It was always funny. I always got a kick out of Avery. But the reason yeah. the reason for my call, Mr. Golden, is there's an interesting article in the Post today, which actually I read earlier, and it talked about the green energy and how utilities are spending money on wind and solar, and they're deferring investments in the infrastructure itself, like these electrical lines. And what's happening is a lot of the utilities are deferring maintenance on the infrastructure with transmission lines. And there was a a section in the article in today's New York Post that said back in 2018, six out of 20 wildfires in California were caused by the infrastructure transmission lines. So, and this is part of the stuff that's going on in Hawaii. There were also stories that said, and I read one of them today from the New York Times, that the Hawaiian reg- the utility there had not kept up. They were warned that their dated infrastructure was problematic and could lead to fires, and they did nothing to upgrade them. And this is exactly part of the reason why, Ralph, you have pointed out, and I agree with you, that... You know, these guys are all finger-pointing, oh, global warming, global... No, how about the responsibilities for what these utility companies and for what the governments who have oversight over the utilities are supposed to do to make sure that they are operating in a safe manner? And you have pointed out, and this is this is crucial and will be crucial to the discussions of what actually happened in Hawaii going forward. Ralph, thank you for waiting. I so appreciate it. Susan in New Jersey. How are you, Susan? Hi, Mr. Golden. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I rely on you to update me on all the kookiness that's going on that I miss out on all the time. Uh, one quick thing. Um, you mentioned about the Dallas police officers that uh, denied that poor man the bathroom. I don't know if you mentioned why they were even involved in somebody using a bathroom in a pizza place. Because they were apparently handling the security there. And this happened in the wee hours of the morning. The place is supposedly open till about 2 o'clock. This incident took place at 1 a.m. And it's unclear because the pizza owner is trying to get out of it. They say, like, oh, we didn't have any personnel there. That doesn't make sense. If the cops are there, then someone from that place was actually working and denied the man, too. They're trying to shift the blame the way I read the story. But these were security guards that were hired by... And, and, you know, some places do this. They allow you to hire off-duty police officers as your security. And so apparently uh, I read another story that said that the uh, uh, this pizza joint has since requested that these police officers that were uh, assigned to that store be taken off duty with that, with that, with that location. It's a shameful, it's a shameful story. was up to 7.2 million. That is only 1 million shy of New York City's entire population. We've let in nearly the entire population of New York City into this country right now. Yep, we have under Joe Biden. Now, Todd Benzman, Center for Immigration Studies, who has been warning us for years that we could hit 6 million. Even he didn't predict that it would be going over 
six million illegal entries. We are now over seven million. And as you point out, that is almost the population of New York. This is, it is beyond belief. And come home from overseas. Why do I have to show my passport? Well, when you come home from overseas, you have to prove that, well, come on, because that's the law. You have to prove that you're an American. Now, the illegals don't, but you have to because you're a second-class citizen in your own country, Susan. And as a second-class citizen in your own country, you're expected to obey the law. But Democrats don't want that for everybody, just for you. You're a second, and and other, those of us who follow the law in America are second-class citizens. That's why you have to show your passport. You know the answer. That was a rhetorical question. I love you, Susan. Thank you so much. Let's go, you... to... go ahead. What were you going to say? No. Love you, darling. Thank you. Rocco, Saratoga, how are you? Hello, James, my brother from another mother, James. I get, Hey, I, I got on a little late. I was busy with work. And um, you do get my blood running. I'll say that much. I, I'm a wide awake now. I thought I was going to crash. No way. With everything you hit on, I, I need to be in studio so I could do my rants after every story you tell. First of all, let's start off a little light. Last week, I tried to get on. You were too busy. Wanted to give rap the 50th anniversary. My nonsense. Hey, how about Freddie Crocker? How about all the rest before? Frankie Crocker. Banker, Frankie, Frankie Crocker you're... wasn't a rapper, though. He was just an amazing DJ. Oh, but hey, Frankie he's like was... you. He had the smooth Mr. voice. Smooth. Like yep, you. he was smooth. No? Right, he was smooth. And we used to, we did rap before there was rap at Jackson Houses on the basketball courts in the middle of all the buildings. We used to put a cardboard box down, and we used to see who could do the best tricks on it. And, and we had the boom box going with Frankie, you know, listening to him rolling his, his music, you know. So we were doing that before. It's just that no one knew. No one came to Jackson Houses unless you lived there. You didn't want to because you didn't leave. <laughs> if you can't you get the trip, you, 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 you didn't leave if you didn't live there. You know, seven buildings, 16 stories high. And I think I've told this before, by the time I finally left, we were the last minority family living in the Jackson houses. You know what I mean by minority? I was white. Yes, I do, okay. baby. Yeah. Okay, baby, you got it, right? Like I said, you're you're my brother from another mother. Mother. I, I mean, yeah, and I love my mother. So then I guess I got to love you, dude. But, uh. Anyway, okay, rapping, it didn't start at Sedgwick Avenue. Then we were doing it. You remember the jazz mobiles that used to come around? Different blocks, especially in the South Bronx. They wanted to keep us yes. start in the jazz mobile. And yes. they had big players, big time players that, that used to come. Maybe they were out of work. Times were a little tough for them. Wow. They were, you know, they were using the thought, they, Hold on, Rocco. Rocco, I hadn't thought about the jazz mobiles in years. Absolutely right. See, but this was part of what it was like growing up in New York. We had so many things going on in New York, between the free concerts that you could go to at Central Park, the jazz mobiles. They used to have also reading mobiles uh, for the reading is fundamental programs, where if you didn't go to the library, the library could come to you. There was always something going on in New York to either keep you entertained, to expand your horizons, or else to help you grow. That was New York then. And it's a shame that that kind of 
you know, so many things. Remember the early Shakespeare in the Park when that first started? There was so much to do in New York. And in New York is still, you know, what are you going to say? It's still the capital of the world when it comes to that. Look, we got to go. Time is running out here. Our Saturday morning radio extravaganza speeds to a quick end. It is always such a pleasure to have you here. I have the best crew in radio. They're always so much fun to work with, too. Great job on the music, Nick. You're getting compliments all over the place. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your family, your loved ones. Love, gratitude for your being here each and every day with me. God willing, back on Monday for Bo Snurley's Rush Hour at 4 p.m. And we'll see you then. Thank you. Bye.